what's happening texas thanks for coming back to this exciting episode i'm your host abel and i'm with jane and vincent hello y'all and we got some great things in store for you so crack one open and join us yes y'all thank you cheers, cheers. enjoy hey what's happening texas we got a great interview for you guys today we are here with our friends over at community in dallas I know everyone out here has heard of the community because they're big, big guys here in Dallas, DFW. Um, <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, today we have... Uh, I'm Jamie Fulton. And what do you do here? Uh, so I'm the brewmaster. I uh, wear a lot of hats. I uh, design recipes. I keep equipment functioning. Um, yeah, just direct the operation that's behind the tap room nice and we also got kevin carr i'm the founder um also wear a lot of hats uh try to touch every part of the uh operation and activity of the brewery but uh uh you know really rely on our team to do the, the heavy lifting there we go awesome. and then we have i'm Corey dickinson director of marketing here at the brewery um uh, and i pretty much help to oversee everything that's like the public facing side to the business, I guess you could say. So, oh, awesome. Yeah. awesome. Awesome. So we're going to hop right into yeah. it. Jane, you want to uh, start us off? So Kevin, how did you come to start community and what's the name, the meaning behind the name community and what does it mean to you? Um, I'll try to give you the short version. Uh, <laughs> we of, have time. Um, you know, it, uh, all kind of stems from you know many years of me homebrewing in terms of getting really interested in, in craft beer and the process of, of craft beer um i'm not saying i was a great homebrewer <laughs> i just enjoyed the the subject and you know my beer impressed uh enough of my friends where i kept doing it um but i, I was doing something else i had a software company and we had uh, offices you know in, in different parts of the country and uh, one of those offices was in Denver and we did a lot of business up in, you know, California, Portland, Seattle. And so, you know, someone who was really kind of opening his horizons for, to craft beer, you know, that's like, you know, the, the Mecca. So, um, I found myself spending more and more time there when I was done with business, you know, just to check right. out breweries and it, the, the, you know, started thinking, well, None of this really exists in, in North Texas or really Texas as much uh, yeah. for that matter outside of some, some breweries in Austin that we had a lot of respect for. Um, so, you know, I just saw it as a business opportunity and, uh, you know, long story short, did a bunch of research and talked to a lot of breweries, um, really kind of looking for a reason not to do it and <laughs> didn't find one. So, you know, here That's we fun. are. Uh, I did not anticipate, I knew there'd be a growth, but I didn't in anticipate it would explode the way it has. So, right. Feel very fortunate that we were kind of on the, the front edge of that. And, you know, thanks to Jamie and his team, you know, we had high quality beers to support that, uh, that growth. As far as the name, um, you know, I've got a diverse background and one of which is a lot of marketing and, mm -hmm. you know, marketing 101, when you distill it down to its basic function is you want to build a community around your brand, right? Right. So, you know, from a branding standpoint, you know, beer is a communal, communal product. Yeah, uh, sure. you know, you share beer with, with friends and new friends and acquaintances. Uh, and, and on top of that, you know, this really kind of in my mind was likely out of, you know, five previous companies that I had started, I'd hoped this to be the last, 
you know, um, mm. and I, I really wanted the next company to, to really have a, a, a platform attached to it that kind of gave back to the community and integrated the community and, you know, right. raise a glass, you know, a pint of beer with the community. So mm. there we go. Um, the really kind of the bow on it was I went to the, the first, uh, um, um, I guess, national um, convention for breweries. Uh, just again to do research and I sat there in the audience and just counted the number of times that people said the word community hmm. oh, and so when there I was we done go with that I was like well if we do it if I can swing it uh, we're gonna name it community so that's that's the that's actually the short version <laughs> that's awesome that's cool yeah. yeah I know that we have spent uh, many times here with you know great experiences here in the tap room having that community yeah absolutely think? second question here so, uh jamie this guy is going to you uh what's your brewing background and how did you land yourself here at community um so my background started i started brewing uh when i was in college uh me and my girlfriend got her dad a uh a beer uh, a homebrew kit yeah and i was like yeah this looks fine i'm gonna do that too <laughs> and uh downhill or uphill from there depending on how you look at it uh, <laughs> but so you know, this is when I was uh, studying for my undergraduate at Trinity in San Antonio. And, you know, I, I went all into it. Both of my parents are scientists and I kind of went at it the same way. And I, I was going into this like I could afford to buy beer that I wanted to buy, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I appreciated craft beer. Uh, so I wasn't going the route of, hey, I'm going to make some cheap beers. So we can all, you know, <laughs> get drunk for free. Um, so, you know, went about it you know, to, to make great beer and, uh, you know, fell in love with the process, the art of it, and, uh, just read everything I could. And, um, you know, I'll never forget. I had a, so I had a job lined up. I studied art history and, uh, business at Trinity nice. and I had a job lined up. Well, you know, re real <laughs> world, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. So <laughs> I had a job lined up at the Kimball. Um, thanks a lot to my dad and, um, you know, I made a decision that I didn't want to work in a museum and I wanted to pursue brewing professionally. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget calling him this one morning and, you know, most nervous call of my life, and right. dad, you know, uh, and he's just paid for me to go to Trinity, <laughs> no scholarship <laughs> and nervous as hell. I say, uh, you know, I think I want to pursue brewing instead of going to the, uh, the art history route and just pause, you know, and he says, well, thank God, Jamie, you don't belong in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> so he was completely behind it. Awesome. Because um, they had always told me, do what you love. They didn't ever push me in a direction, do something that'll make your family money, which I think I'm going to do a little bit more with my kids because I ended up studying art history. So anyways, <laughs> uh, you know, I've been very blessed to have gone down the path that I have. Um, Went to Germany, studied brewing there. Uh, UC Davis Extension course was the first thing I did while I was oh, cool. at uh, Blue Star in San Antonio. Opened up a brew pub called the Covey Restaurant and Brewery in Fort Worth in uh, 2006 when I was 24. And then ended up closing that about five years later. Uh, worked for um, a, a good uh, part of my skill set is um, the next part of my career. I worked for uh, the world's largest craft brewery manufacturer, uh, Newland Systems, which... Yeah. Uh, has since uh, become bankrupt, but uh, I was their technical brewing um, coordinator there. And so I'd fly around the world installing their equipment and uh, troubleshooting stuff. And uh, thankfully, during that time, met Kevin, who had the idea for community beer. And um, yeah, so then finally in 
Yeah, that was, we met in 2010, late 2010 when I closed the Covey. And, um, you know, I was flying all around the world, solving people's problems, brewing their first batches of beer, never getting to try the beer because, you know, I'd leave before it was done. Yeah. Oh, man. And, uh, you know, it's getting down on my knees saying, you know, give me another opportunity to have my own brewery. And it, yeah. and it happened with community in 2012. We started construction. Uh, Christmas of 2013, I think we were brewing our first batch of beer on the 26th wow. of December. It was right after Christmas Day, as I remember it. And, um, that's how we started. So I've been here since day one. Uh, I'm one awesome. of the owners here and, you know, poured my heart and soul into it. And yeah. I think, I think that shows yeah. we've got a really good team here. And like Kevin said, um, it's not just me back there brewing beer. I'm so, you know, I was on the brew deck today, but I was climbing in a water ton to fix some pneumatic valves that had broken. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I've got a great team of brewers that's, you know, executing the recipes and oftentimes coming up with the recipes. I mean, uh, lucky number seven was one of my latest uh, successes, I think. But like Zach, one of my head brewers, came up yeah. with uh, our latest hazy IPAs. Like that's all that dude brews. So I'm like, Zach, <laughs> this is your baby, man. Like what what hops do you want me to bring in for it? You know? so, it's fun to uh, to let their creative juices shine. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we did an interview with Steam Theory yesterday, and I shared there that the first craft beer I've ever had was Community. Oh, so, nice. yeah, that really turned me on to it. So we moved yeah. here to Texas and I didn't go from bad beer to craft beer. I just went straight to craft beer. So, <laughs> if, you. Yeah. If you weren't making beer, I don't know where I'd be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've, got, I've got some friends in, from college that remember the days when we were drinking, you know, Oli Light and Keystone Light. <laughs> Keystone. Keystone. Keystone the, oh, uh, man. Black Label something or other that we buy for like three bucks a case. Right. <laughs> day-to-day tasks and what are some of the challenges that you come across i guess now you probably have more challenges than before <laughs> different challenges yeah. for sure uh you know day-to-day kind of i think you're gonna hear this sentiment from just about anybody in this industry but day-to-day it's it's always different there are always uh you know different challenges that are that that arise in in my role and really any role in the craft brewing industry and you certainly don't uh get pigeonholed into one role um you know you're kind of you kind of have to be the type of person that would never say that's not my job mm-hmm. um right you know and so um my day-to-day it's 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 really different every single day but generally a snapshot is you know touching base with so i have a, a small marketing team that i work with uh here not not external everything is internal here but um so going through stuff like our social media promotions and that sort of thing um new product design so our our labels or packaging or that sort of thing um any sort of like uh you know traditional or non-traditional marketing that we might be doing out in the field whether that be uh advertising like or, or billboards or something like that um and then we've got like the events and sponsorship side so any sort of events that are going on, uh, whether it be here at the brewery or out mm-hmm. in the market and helping to support those in any way that we can. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know. I also like captain up our charitable cycling team, which is a whole yeah. other, uh, kind of thing that we do here. Um, and so, you know, new beer releases, um, working with our sales team and our production team to help 
coordinate everything, make sure that we're ready to go to get these beers out into the market, make sure people know about them, yeah. make sure people are into them, uh, working with our distributors too, just to, uh, again, make sure that they've got the resources that they need to help, help sell our product. Um, so yeah, it's a little all over the place. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> You want to tell us about what you're drinking? I know that's pretty new to the market. Um, yeah, you know, so Hop Skinny, uh, it's a locale IPA. And personally, you know, it, it's tough to have a favorite beer working for a brewery. It really is because I think like <laughs> it's just like this evolving thing where every, you know, couple weeks or yeah. whatever, it's like I have a new favorite beer. And, and then you come back <laughs> to something that you haven't drank in a while yeah. and you're like, man. I forgot how good this beer was. Um, <laughs> Skinny is the beer that I've been drinking for the majority of COVID for sure. Um, <laughs> I just, it's a, it's a locale IPA, but Jamie figured out and it was not an easy process because I think we did more pilot batches of this beer than any beer that I can recall working here. Um, but it's, it's essentially, it's a, a locale IPA, but it tastes and smells like a, like a, full flavored mm. idea i mean it's just it's got that like awesome uh like you know hop flavor and aroma a lot of like citrus coming through lemon peel uh and it's super refreshing dry finish um nice but it's only got like 95 calories and four carbs uh nice. lower abv so you can kind of you can drink quite a few of them um, <laughs> but um yeah so this was sort of like our approach at like you know as, as people are gravitating more towards um I, you know, it's called like the better for you category, right? <laughs> yes, uh, I've seen that. You know, or, or drinking in a more healthy way. Uh, <laughs> you know, you've, you've seen that with hard seltzers and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. But this is sort of a, a craft beer alternative to, you know, a, 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 it's, it's approachable. Uh, it's not like your typical uh, IPA that people would associate with a craft brewery where, you're, you know, you're 7, 8 percent ABV. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, a much more substantial beer um but this thing man it's it it drinks clean like a lager but it's got all the flavors and aromas of an ipa and uh i dig it man jamie like honestly man hats off to you for this because it's freaking killer it <laughs> sells really well yeah <laughs> yeah well <clears throat> we would all hope it's sell, sold better um you know when i had a restaurant we always wanted to put healthy options on the menu mm -hmm. yeah people mostly want to buy chicken fried steak and uh, <laughs> you know, chicken fried yeah. and waffles <laughs> people go out they want to indulge and people are always surprised when i give them hop skinny uh just the other day or i gave our our project manager um some hop skinny i gave him a selection of beer and he right. said he said don't take this the wrong way but i was <laughs> i figured i was gonna be very underwhelmed with hop skinny i'm like i completely expect that you see something with low carbs low calories you want to think less flavor right mm -hmm. um and so like Corey said it, it took a lot of r&d and it didn't start with the goal of hop skinny we were messing around mm -hmm. with a bunch of other directions uh it started kind of as going as a, a brute ipa okay which uh, i don't know if y'all had any true brute ipas mm -hmm. but uh mm -hmm. they have no malt to them right and you know while a lot of it as, as big as community has become as, is, um, uh, giving beers to our audience that they like, and we, we know we're going to uh, sell well, it's still a, a selfish thing. Partly <laughs> when I had my brew pub, it was all selfish. It was like what I wanted to brew, like hope, hopefully people want to buy it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, but I decided brute IPA, I did not like the style. It was like, it's missing something. It's missing malt. So hop skinny is a, uh, a balance between brute IPA and a regular, like 
session IPA, so to speak, but we're using this enzyme that makes brute IPAs what they are, but we're denaturing it. So a brute IPA, you can put that in the fermenter and it will just completely go through all the carbs. It'll break down all the unfermentable sugars that normally give you body and malt. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you destroy that enzyme on the hot side, like we're doing, we're adding it in the mash, you can partly do that. Mm. And so you, you stop that process at a certain point. And then that's how we end up with still some malt in there, still a little bit of sweetness to balance the bitterness. Uh, but then the other challenging thing, and sorry, uh, technical stuff is my jam. So no, it's all good. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. And this, and this beer, while people might look at it and be like, Oh, it's, it's so simple, but it's not, it's yeah. super complicated. It's, to right. pull it off. And so the other complicated thing is with this low amount of alcohol, achieving such a big hop character and Corey, one day brought in like six, uh, of these kind of beers, the better for you IPA. And uh, some are clearly better than others. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I'm a judge at GABF, so I'm used to trying them and, and oh, picking cool. out the good qualities of some. Uh, and so my goal always is to top everything that I'm that I'm tasting you know, mm -hmm. to best it. And so we're using some new. Uh, so anyways, back to the challenge of a low alcohol beer, getting a big hop character in there like mosaic, citrus slice. They have all this ethanol that you made in the ferment. You can dry hop that. And all that ethanol pulls out those essential oils of those hops, and it makes it really easy to get just a really punchy hop character. Right. But when you have this low amount of alcohol, you can throw hops in the fermenter all day long, and it will never take, <laughs> and you're just throwing money down the drain. Yeah. yeah. And so we're accomplishing a lot of that hop character on the hot side of the process. So in the Whirlpool, and we're adding a new extract called Incognito. Uh, it's Equinot as the variety for Incognito oh. in the Whirlpool. Oh. And the whole brewery smells like just a, like, you're in the middle of just a pine tree uh, <laughs> and it's, it's more complex than that in the beer, but then we're also adding mosaic cryo, Simcoe cryo, Laurel cryo. Cryo is this new concentrated form of hop on the cold side that yeah. I've really, um, uh, we, we use a lot of it in our brewery, really big fans of it. And so, awesome. uh, yeah, a lot that went into hop skin. <laughs> I really like cryo beers. I have it's... a hard time saying it sometimes, but I do really like it. <laughs> so what are each of your first and earliest craft beer experiences? We touched on it a little bit. Yeah, it's because the Ichia. <laughs> you want me to start? Sure. <laughs> uh, earliest craft beer experiences for me. So I um, I grew up in New Jersey. And at the time, there really wasn't any craft beer there, at least local craft beer. And, you know, mm -hmm. if you were to, I don't know, to come up with like a craft beer at that time was, was probably going to be Brooklyn or Sam Adams. Mm -hmm. I think, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I went, I moved out to Boulder, Colorado and went to Ooh. University of Colorado and I was immediately just engulfed by this mecca of craft beer. And it, you know, and it really like the, the town of Boulder is just such a, um, like, like the beer industry is ingrained in that town. It's part of the town's identity. Um, and so my eyes were open to this whole other world that I didn't really understand beforehand with, you know, uh, Boulder Brewery, uh, Avery, mm -hmm. uh, Upslope later on after I got out of college opened, uh, of course, like Odell and, uh, and New Belgium down the road and Fort Collins. But um, for the most part, even though you mentioned Keystone Light before, <laughs> uh, that was the go-to beer, of course, but... <laughs> You know, if if you had enough money at the end of the week for like a six pack of something really interesting, um, you know, we oh there there was always some local beer at every party that you went to, and every time a brewery released a new beer, it was like a big deal in the town, and breweries sponsored all these events, and so that was yeah. really like my first experience, like 
drinking, but also like culturally with, with craft beer. Yeah. It, was a, it was a big thing for me. Nice. That's awesome. You know, for me, uh, I'm a little bit older than these guys. Uh, <laughs> not much. <laughs> uh, you know, for me, coming out of college, and this was uh, early 90s, uh, came back to Dallas and ended up at a place called uh, Mucky Ducks. Oh. And it's Ooh. not here anymore. Yeah. Um, it's attached to a mall that's not here anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> found some, some college buds and, you know, everyone's ordering the, the stuff that we, you know, the swill we used to drink in college. But this bar, and I'm going to give homage. It doesn't answer the question directly, but I'm going to give homage <laughs> to International Beers. Yeah. This bar had just an amazing selection of international beers, which I'd never had before. Yeah. And right. so I tried a Guinness. Okay. And I was looking at that that dark liquid in a glass, and I'm like, that's going to taste terrible. <laughs> and it didn't. It didn't at all. Uh, and then I had, I don't know, a, a Heineken and then a Stella. And I had a good night, and it was all on the backs of international beer. And that changed everything for me. And I got heavily into drinking international beers. Awesome. Um, which led me to craft beer. Yeah. And so at the time, what you could really only find in, in this market readily uh, was was uh, Sam Adams, mm-hmm. which I'm still a huge fan of today. Yeah, there's some good uh, stuff. Boston Lager, Sierra Nevada, Pale mm-hmm. Ale, yeah. which I'm still a huge fan of today. Uh, and I don't know if people remember old Pete's Wicked Ale. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So those three were, were <laughs> in regular rotation at my house, and that's kind of what really got me into craft beer and wanting homebrew and all that stuff. And my first homebrew, by the way, was I figured out through my homebrew shop what was what you know hops uh, and malt sort of went into Sam Adams and Sierra Nevada, and I just mixed the two and created this you know this. <laughs> this you know frankenstein of a beer and i loved it, you know? uh, it you know. one's an ale and one's a lager but you know it, it i i could check enough of the boxes where like i yeah it's alive I it. <laughs> it probably tasted terrible but i like it well i noticed you didn't say anybody else liked it <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. uh, mine's mine's pretty easy uh i you know went to college from in high school having you know the same stuff Kevin's talking about, Keystone, do you name it? Yeah. And uh, we'll never forget getting my hands on Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and drinking that, looking at this weird lime green label after looking at, you know, white and silver and blue cans <laughs> for m- most of my life when I've had a beer and tasting it and being like, wow, you know, what is all this? Yeah. And just associating that flavor with that green label. And that was that was it for me. And so I always had beer in my fridge in college that nobody would touch. There we go. <laughs> I still love their celebration every year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Super delicious. Good yeah. Good brewery. Yeah. All right. Th- this next one goes to all you guys again. And you guys kind of touched base on it. Uh, so what is your favorite community beer to crack open after a long day and non-community? <laughs> Getting heavy. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say for me, it's hop skinny, you know, like, like they're, these guys are saying, I drink a ton of that, you know, and, and it's it, the flavor, uh, obviously is, is first and foremost, right. It's just, just the health benefits, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm on a, uh, low carb diet okay. and I have been since, you know, December of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and have lost 30 pounds doing it. Congrats. Wow. Like, I basically tell everyone I lost 30 pounds by drinking hops. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> when I say I'm on a low carb He's diet. He's going on a billboard next week. <laughs> <laughs> when I say I'm on a low carb diet, uh, the carbs, I, I do that obviously for health purposes, mm -hmm. but so I could, you know, drink beer, you know, yeah. beer's where I get my carbs. There we go. Know, so I'm not going to sacrifice that. <laughs> right. I think, think hop skinny is the one I go to most times. Awesome. Uh, yeah, for me, it kind of depends on the day. Um, but, you know, I mentioned top skinny, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but as we're coming into fall now, uh, you know, I generally start to gravitate a little bit more towards the malt forward beers, uh, you know, something a little bit darker, stouts and porters, mm -hmm. um, maybe some of our barrel aged stuff I've got. So I just moved uh, and it occurred to me you know, you accumulate beer kind of over the years and, and you don't really think about it because you just, you know, just put some up on the shelf and whatever. And yeah. But then when you have to move it all, you're like, I, I have a problem. <laughs> I got like 200 bottles of beer hanging out. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, as the temperatures get a little bit colder, circling back to some of our older vintages that I've hung out. Like I've got some some barrel age legion Ooh. and some uh inspiration oh some, yeah some beers that are a few years old nice. um but i'm really excited to start kind of go, getting into those uh you should probably throw here. away the two-year-old mosaic so like this is a totally side thing but i got this like ongoing joke with a buddy of mine every super bowl we break out like the worst beer that we can find and generally it's a beer that like you forgot you had for like five or six years that it's like an ipa you should have drank fresh or something like that yeah that's so, funny. so anyways it's super bowl beer dude uh but in the non-community Man, I've got a uh, a six pack of well, I have one left in the fridge. Uh, <laughs> Offbrow's Pilsner. Oh, oh yeah. And uh, you know, there's just something to be said about the old school German lagers, man. Yes, it's just, Amen. you know, they're so clean. It's just such a classic flavor profile, like that touch of sulfur. It's I I love them. So uh, I try to always have some like old school lagers in the fridge. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, me, I'd say uh, right now probably Citrus Slice. Okay. You know, it's, uh, it's a clean IPA. Yeah. It's got, you know, Delicious. just enough malt. It's got a, a great, just citrusy, refreshing hop character. It's got that medium alcohol content. It's not, you know, knock you on your back in your seat like Mosaic. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it checks a lot of boxes for me personally. Um, other Texas breweries, you know, uh, Allstott has opened up recently mm -hmm. and um you know with with i hear about all this these these toys that they had right off the beginning <laughs> that I'm, I'm very envious of and i'm like man, well, they better be making some world-class beer and, yeah. and they are no kidding um they've they've backed it up with some medals at some of the biggest competitions but they're yeah. Polsch, uh which i had before they won i think it was world beer cup they just won with it mm -hmm. or maybe oh, yeah. i don't remember but uh, me and my lab guy, Mark, were down in San Antonio at an NBAA conference. And we went to my old bar at Trinity and we uh, had some pictures of their Kolsch. And I said, this is easily one of the best Kolsch I've ever had in my life. Awesome. And they shortly after won with that. And then they won with another beer. Yeah. Uh, Austin Beer Works, uh, everything they make, you know, the style may not be my favorite, but everything they make is right down the middle. Awesome. Mm -hmm. St. Arnold. Um, uh, right around here, Manhattan Project. 
Oh, celestial. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we love celestial. Like Jeremy, there's a really bright dude, and they're making some really killer gear. Their pilsner is really good. Necessary evil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're just about time where we should break and go to a part two. So we will see you all soon. Well, thanks Cheers. for joining us, guys. Cheers. Thanks for having us. What's happening in Texas? Thank you for coming back to part two mm -hmm. of our interview with our great friends over at Community. And we still have Jamie Fulton and Kevin Carr and also Corey Dickinson. All Ooh. right. So thanks for coming back, guys. Yeah. Uh, we're going to hop right back into it. Uh, so, Corey, this one's coming to you. What is your most exciting slash fun beer to try to market? Well, it's <laughs> <laughs> actually a pretty easy question. You're going to get right sick now. of hearing about this beer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Uh, so, at the moment, <laughs> we've got this campaign uh, for Hop Skinny. And. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to open so it. So, again, it's like the, <laughs> it's, it is the better for you category. And, and, you know, it's like this kind of healthy alternative. And, you know, and, and truthfully, it's like an awesome beer to drink after you like work out. If you got on a bike ride or go on a run, yeah. get back, crack a beer. It's like super refreshing. It's great. Um, and so we were approached to do a billboard uh, in Austin. And generally, when those sort of things, when you have the conversations with your distributors, it's like, okay, we want to do a billboard and we're going to do mosaic because mosaic is our most well-known beer. And it's, right. uh, you know, it, it's, it's recognizable. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, but we sort of decided to go in another direction with it. And so we did a 43 foot billboard with Brian Quinlan. And I, I wish that there was some way I could show you this. A... I mean, I can, <laughs> I can show you, but I mean the audience, the audience. Yeah. Um, Brian Quinlan is six, four, <laughs> six, five, maybe. Uh -huh. uh, he's got a beard that is very large. <laughs> proper um, beard. Pro yeah, proper. <laughs> there we go. Really long hair. I mean, think of like kind of like Big Lebowski, the dude-esque. Uh, and so we put a billboard up of him in very short cutoff shorts. <laughs> Uh, a headband and like 1980s tennis gear. I yes, think I saw this. Playing <laughs> on a tennis court, holding two tennis balls, saying "Grab the weekend by the balls." Uh, and That's awesome. It's just it's a it, it's awesome. Uh, he's now like added model to his resume. <laughs> he's like a chain sales manager. He works for the brewery. That's uh, oh, cool. So he deals with like a lot of grocery stores and whatnot. But yeah. Um, yeah, and it's right in like the university area uh, in Austin, and so it's uh, that was a lot of fun to do for sure. Um, but um, you know, they're, they're all, honestly, it's it's a lot of fun to market beer, right? Like, and mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, you guys already know this. I don't have a marketing background, right? I really don't. Uh, but I feel like I'm I'm good with people, and so that's sort of. The idea behind marketing, Just at least for, for beer, yeah, <laughs> from New Jersey. Uh, but like, you want to be able to convey who you are through your marketing, right? And be able to connect with people, right? Yeah. They want to identify with your brand and be able to say like, I resonate with that. I can get behind that. I get that. Um, and so, you know, a lot of our marketing approach has always been to, to get people here, 
mm-hmm. you know, that, that's really where it all started was like pushing hard for our backyard to come and enjoy a beer at the brewery. Because yeah. once you're here and once you get to have a pint at the tap room and, you know, you see the people that are making the beer and serving the beer and you get to connect with the brewery on a personal level, um, that, that creates a really strong tie and mm-hmm. you know that that carries over to the marketplace where people will then hopefully purchase our beer on the shelves or in tap panels and bars yeah. or something um but these days uh you know given the current dynamic it's it's all a lot of social media right and right so, you know it, it's fun to try to figure out how can we show our personality through social media and still try to to make that connection with people mm-hmm. um at that personal connection because a lot of that is lost i mean there's just so much crap on social media that you have to sift through it's, and it's like yes you know so how so so we really try to show our personality and and just have have fun with it yeah uh beer, i mean beer is fun right so, right uh you know all of our beers are pretty fun to market we always try to have a good time doing it so well, hopefully hopefully. hopefully people remember going out and being in this half room it's yeah <laughs> it's been so long it's, it's been a minute yeah. yeah all right jamie this one's coming to you uh, what's your favorite style of beer to brew? Um, it's a loaded question, obviously. <laughs> and, um, you know, while, while I'm not sometimes involved in the day-to-day actual, you know, brewing here or there. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, thinking of, you know, uh, memories that stick in my mind from brewing. And, you know, no, no matter who's making it or, or uh you know who's on the brew deck when when you're when you're brewing legion or any kind of like porter imperial stout you know the whole brewery smells like roasted malt Mm. right and so you know you you pull up in the brewery every day and you smell malt and you smell hops going in or whatever but you pull up and you know when a roasty beer is being made you smell that uh, that kiln malt and as a brewer that's it's different and that's usually this uh, you know in texas at least that's the signifier that cold weather's coming yeah uh, if not that's a signifier that you're going to have a dark beer sitting around not selling <laughs> um and then you know uh fermentation side i've always loved lager brewing uh, studied in germany and uh just you know the idea that you can have something growing at you know refrigerator temperatures properly and um just the the sulfury aspect of lager that diminishes over time and it's just you know just this really long period of time that it takes to make these beers properly mm-hmm. right and the kind of ethereal things that happen in these last weeks or two of of lagering and uh just seeing that happen and then the last thing i'll say uh, is brewing belgian beer and so yes the weird thing about belgian styles. beer is uh and being a german train brewer they, they don't train you about like dry hopping mm-hmm. or about um even using some new equipment for dry hopping that the germans have made you know this is stuff you have to figure out and they definitely don't teach you about belgian yeast and how you can just you know let this stuff free rise in temperature and get to whatever temperature it wants and that's when the best ones are made uh in my opinion uh some of the best expressions of these yeasts that make all these fruity esters and phenolics and uh a quick funny story about that you know, we had this batch of, of wit beer very early on. First year, it was just me and uh, my guy Eric working here. And I discovered a small leak in our glycol chiller. Uh-oh. And the, at the time, we only had one beer in primary fermentation. It was our wit beer, which is a blend of Belgian yeast. And uh, I had free roast fermentations before, but I hadn't done it on the wit. And I was like, well, I can let this leak persist and deal with just it was It would be a minimal loss of glycol. Or I can just shut the chiller off and go fix it. 
and let this batch of whipped beer free rise. So I let it free rise, and it was the best batch of whipped beer we'd made. And awesome. that batch went on to win gold at World Beer Cup. Wow. That next year. Nice. So it's funny how serendipity can play a part in brewing. Um, that's not the first time that's happened in my career. So. <laughs> nice. So whipped beer was my first beer here. <laughs> Wit beer was yeah. Yeah. nice. I love it. I right. still love it so much. Super solid. It's a good beer. So also, I love Passiflora. So what inspired it, and when or if are we going to see it again? Me. Uh, <laughs> I love it. They all, they all looked at him. So well, yeah. Uh, you know, if it was up to me, a lot of these things would make a comeback. But uh, I don't think Passiflora sold particularly well. Yeah. It was a white IPA with passion fruit puree. Mm -hmm. If uh, you never had it, and I'm, it was quite a while ago. It was probably four years ago. We did that. Um, Three, maybe. It, it was cool because those kind of beers, uh, you know, IPAs in general don't hold up very well when you're adding a right. uh, fruit like passion fruit or some other fruits that have a lot of ascorbic acid or vitamin C. It's a natural antioxidant, and so it stayed fresh for a long time, and it was good for a long time. The character changed, but uh, I'm glad to hear that you like that. I loved we, it you know, so much. we love that. <laughs> you know, and I think that checks another another boxes to you know beers that we thought uh, underperformed in the market but right. you know you, you can uh you can do all your research and have a lot of brilliant minds on your team looking at this stuff and sometimes you know people it's just like no not much well, we were talking about that at the break you know that we were sitting at the table talking about it and it's you know it's like it's it's a shame how many great beers that, that are out there in the universe that get discontinued just yeah. because it didn't pull yeah right and to get Pull rates, you know, in today's market, when there's you know hundreds of SKUs on on, on any given grocery store shelf, right. you know, you can you can win awards, you can win, you know, like you're drinking a public ale. That's an yeah. example there. Like that was one of our first beers. It's the kind of style that I've always loved. Yeah, it's, same. It's one, you know, back to back gold at, at Great American Beer Festival. It's just not. It just wasn't sexy enough. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, it, and it, we still sell it, um, but it's it's definitely declining, and it's just a shame it's, because right. I mean, Passive Four is one of those beers oh, where I love it. fantastic, but mm -hmm. you know, the distributor in a is not going to buy the beer from us, or chain is, or grocery is not going to put it on their shelves if it's not selling. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But there's always an opportunity to bring beers back, you know, because things are cyclical, and when yeah. we do kind of that retail dance, as we call it, <laughs> um, you can flash things back back and forth in the market or make it for the tap room or do other things with it. So I'm with you. I've always been a fan of passive floor. Yeah. It's just got to move on sometimes. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have things that sell well, like white claw. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> One of those. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Legion, you guys had mentioned before it's, it's a solid beer and it's, it's a, definitely a fan favorite. Uh, what was the inspiration favorite. behind it? <laughs> And uh, when can fans see it again? Uh, so Legion, <laughs> yeah, Legion's a, a huge beer. Yeah. Uh, inspiration behind it, you know, we we wanted to to brew a big dark beer to you know celebrate the cool weather coming. Uh, the name actually came from a, a community uh, naming contest here. Oh, cool! And uh, cool. I think we gave the guy like beer for life or something. Wow. Entire year for a year. Okay. I was like, <laughs> yeah. that would have taken us like, far. I was like, yeah, for life. <laughs> Dang. What we did is we, through social media, you know, basically just put out the word and help us name this beer. And we had a, a process where you went to our website and submitted yeah. your, your name and why you thought it would be a good name. And uh, 
a lot of lot of interesting names, a lot of terrible names, <laughs> a lot of good ones. Um, some that are funny. Uh, I think my favorite was Putin Tamer. <laughs> my, my favorite was to reference Dallas. This the, the name is not as funny as the tagline that was suggested. Sixth floor stout. Okay. So good it'll blow your head off. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Too soon. Too soon. No way. No way. But Legion is the one that. I love it. You know. Who who made that choice to go with Legion? Was it just like whoever had the best votes, or, or uh, we we had a little, little we voted in house, of sort okay. of democratic. It's ultimately okay. what Kevin and I decided. <laughs> but you know, Legion, you know, it's got biblical references. It's yeah. got references to you know the you know military. Right. It's, it's just very powerful, very charged, and it's and it's a huge beer, so it's very fitting. And uh, you know, there's like. 14 different malts and adjuncts in it. The, you know, everybody hates milling Legion because it's all specialty malts and, you know, it's, it's a, a big complex grist and that's what you're going after in those beers. And uh, as far as we can see regular Legion again, it's, that's tough to say. We've put a, you know, tap the brakes on a lot of our seasonal stuff. Yeah. I mean, Snickerdoodle came out. We've been doing some small batch Ooh. stuff, but Legion, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll do, you know, we had some very fun plans to work with Ascension over here, which we've worked with in the past mm -hmm. and uh -huh. we had to tap the brakes on that. I mean, we just have to look after, uh, you know, super smart business decisions right now for the brewery yeah. and right, extending yeah. ourselves on it. A very, those are very expensive beers to make. And it's more about, uh, giving our fans what they want than, you know, uh, keeping the lights on with those beers. And right now yeah. we got to keep our lights on. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay, well, tell us a little bit about your small batch series. What was the decision to do one? And so many fun beers like the Hoptoberfest that we drank. We loved. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let Corey answer most. I just want to say about <laughs> Hoptoberfest. Yeah. It's like we have been burned on just making Oktoberfest beers. Yeah. My sister was just asking me, don't y'all make an Oktoberfest beer? It's like, <laughs> no, thankfully we don't. I love Oktoberfest beers, yeah. but they just don't sell. The, Everybody's yeah. trying to do one at the same time. And you get a six pack and you're like, all right, well, I'm on to, you know, an IPA or whatever yeah. I'll right. usually drink. So uh, we wanted to switch it up and Hoptoberfest was very successful. Was so I got good. a four pack out of, uh, you know, in the middle of the cooler and I got chastised by our taproom manager. It's like, that's all sold. And I'm like, I'm one of the owners here. Uh, I ended up, it ended up not being sold, but it was very successful is what I'm trying to say. Nice. And so Awesome. Uh, yeah, we did an Oktoberfest episode and drank a whole lot in a row. And then we later reviewed that one, and it was it was super wonderful. Yeah, it was, we, it was awesome. The different variant. I can't remember which one I liked, but I always poured it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea behind the Small Batch series, um, for lack of a better word, craft beer consumers were sort of picked, right? I mean, yep. It's, it's a lot of the mentality is what's next, what's next, what's yeah. next. Um, they are experimental people, I think, by nature, and they want to try new things. Um, and so we wanted a, it's, it's really, it's difficult. And uh, it's a crazy juggling act on the production side to be able to facilitate the small batch series because it's a new video, like very frequently. Um, but the idea was that we would have a series that would be released in small quantities and not last long on the market, really. And then yeah. we would get to sort of dip our toes into styles of beer that 
maybe we didn't want to do on a large scale. Um, but if something worked out, maybe we would bring, you know, bring it into the, the, the normal rotation. So, for example, um, it's happened. It has. Yeah. So medical grade haze was one mm. of our first small batch series releases, I think. Um, and it's a hazy IPA. And so good. It's done. Tasty, tasty. It's now coming through its second <clears throat> release in the small batch series. And, and it's done so well that uh, can I say <laughs> it will become available next year, uh, year out. So we, we all have you guys just got the exclusive. Yeah. Exclusive, yeah, yeah. Cool. awesome. So we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna migrate it to twelve ounce six pack format, um, and it will be available year round, which is we're all super excited for that. But um, same. But it allows yeah. us to to do some really cool small batch stuff that that you know Jamie said earlier about. Um, you know, we've, we've got so many talented people that work here and a lot of people that do brew outside of community and brew at home and, and they like to make beers that they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's cool to kind of allow them to say, you know, what, what about doing something like this or like that? Or, you know, whether it be a, an experimental IPA or a stout with some crazy adjuncts that we wouldn't normally do on a big scale. Mm -hmm. um, and we can, and, and so that's, that's the kind of the story behind Small Batch Series. And it's done really well for us. It's it's a small percentage of the overall, uh, you know, brewery production, mm -hmm. um, but it's really cool to get to to see some of these kind of wild beers get out there. And um, well, it also keeps the brewery relevant. To, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I was gonna say, yeah. it keeps people interested. Yeah, it's not, definitely. You know, Cheeto beer, but it keeps <laughs> people excited and coming back. Yeah. So the next one is actually we're bringing back. Uh, lucky number seven, which was a beer that, and I'll let Jamie talk about the beer, but um, it was something that we did for our, our anniversary party uh, back in, in January. And it went over so well. And we had so many people asking for it um, mm. that we decided we would kind of sneak in a, a batch of lucky number seven and, and get it out to the market this time. Prior, it was the one time we've done this beer was just brewery only. And yeah. basically, if you attended our anniversary party, uh you you got some cans to take home with you afterwards or you could purchase more for a little bit while after after the event but um but now it's actually going to be distributed out into the market so oh, cool actually, so it's next week or if you're listening to this on the day it's released today is oh. the release. Oh, awesome. Hey, awesome. So, so yeah. Thursday today <laughs> uh, come to community staff room and get yeah. But, but Jamie, if you want to talk a little bit about this beer. Yeah, so uh, you know, I actually talked to Corey. I think Corey and Russ were in the uh, Party Mountain was their their office here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just like, hey, y'all got any ideas for, you know, seventh anniversary beer? And uh, Corey's like, what about some kind of like, you know, champagne kind of beer? And uh, I said, like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I like... Uh, I like some highly carbonated beers. Cooper's Sparkling Ale is one of my favorites out of Australia. Awesome. So anyways, kind of went uh, went at it as a champagne or, or sparkling kind of beer. And so what, what's great about good champagne, not bad champagne, <laughs> dryness, <Yeah. laughs> you know, crisp. Um, and so we accomplished that in this one with uh, most basic ideas, high level of carbonation. I think it's it's close to four volumes. Uh, which we could only accomplish with our new uh, awesome rotary canner. But then it's also super dry. So we're using 
Uh, I'm not going to give away percentages, but uh, higher than you would dare to brew with usually percentages yeah. of uh, sugar and uh, uh, flaked maize. Okay. And so, yeah. you know, th- those, those what, what do we call adjuncts that are non-malt ingredients, they leave very little body, very little flavor. And so that's the idea in this is just to have this very neutral still beer base but then just have explosive hop character from uh, a blend of all cryo hops right yeah so that's what lucky number seven is all about yeah it's like a hop champagne is kind of what we were like yeah going for. <laughs> and the reason we went with champagne is because the the whole like i guess the uh the theme to our anniversary party was like vintage vegas yeah. oh cool it was is pretty filthy like specifically a, 70s Vegas. 70s. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Sort of dirtbag Vegas. A lot of like handlebar mustaches. Just rough stuff. Like, <laughs> bell bottoms and gold chains. And yeah. Um, and so we got these like really <laughs> retro sort of like big Pilsner glasses for the anniversary glass. And, you know, the idea was like, yeah, we're going to be like drinking like kind of champagne, right? At, at the event uh, to celebrate. So. And they, yeah, they that's, sold really. That's fast one of my favorite tickets. labels uh, ever that Russ did. It's it's super fun. It, you can just sit there and look at it forever. While, you know, while you're turning yeah. that can around. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Picture of it. Yeah, I'm getting picture. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's your question. Oh, it's my question. <laughs> All right, so you know we're gonna get a little heavier. Uh, so this pandemic has been a blown a blow to so many. Um, not only breweries, but people in general. Um, what are some of the challenges you guys had to face, uh, not only with the brewery, but in in your day to day as well? Um, I can I can take this one. A lot of the the financial challenges kind of came across my desk. Obviously, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's been tough, mm-hmm. um, particularly since rolling into twenty twenty. Um, well, you know, there's a lot of work that we did in terms of upcoming placements and, and things that uh, we've been growing every year. But this this the rate of growth that we had budgeted for 2020 was kind of next level for us. Uh, you know, and then by in March, you know, a lot of that those segments of growth went away. Um, so, yeah, when when you're, you know, hitting on all cylinders and uh, you, you go virtually overnight and no keg sales, no taproom sales, yeah. no event sales, which I, I feel that uh, the team here, uh, we do really well with special events. And yeah, events. absolutely. No private events. Again, we feel like we do really well with private events. Um, all that went away, you know, never yeah. mind uncertainty and, you know, uh, and a number of things and uncertainty in terms of consumer decision uh, to, to drink and buy. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, it, uh, thankfully, consumers were drinking a, you know, shit ton of beer at home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, that, that was helpful. But, you know, we're, we're still dealing with the ripple effects. It's like everyone else. Yeah. Especially right. It's still uncertain. You know, yeah. you know it, what's going to happen? We, no one knows. Now it's impacting can shortages and, you know, glass shortages we're, ta- we're hearing about. So the ripple effect is going to be here for a while. Um, and so there's a lot of challenges there. I think for me, you know, this this is my fifth business I've had in my 30 year, you know, uh, entrepreneurial career. Um, and it's not the same thing by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But I was in a similar situation with my software company. We were kicking ass and taking names and 
growing and growing and growing and yeah. becoming an internationally known uh, platform. And then the recession of 2009 hit, and it, it happened pretty quickly. Right. And there's a lot of similarities there. You know, um, our, our, the market we were selling to for the software business uh, is a B2B software that dealt with litigation and discovery and litigation. Hmm. You know, all that money went away because you're not going to spend money pursuing a lot of litigation until you figure out what the economy is going to do. So yeah. our clients stopped spending money. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I had, we had to pivot and adjust. And so I was able to borrow from a lot of those decisions and, you know, and, and how to kind of look at the financial picture and get everyone on board to, to cut costs and, and really be very specific in our spends. Um, and we, you know, considering we've, we've done well, but it's still painful to not see those line items for yeah. sales and things like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of challenge in, in the, you know, and I would say even another challenge, a big challenge is the one thing that we enjoy because we're a community beer company is like we talked about earlier is interfacing with the community. It's yeah. what, it's yeah. the DNA. It's what we'd like to do. Um, and when we can't, you know, when I can't personally come in here on a Saturday or any day of the week, but on Saturday for tours and not see this place packed out with a, a wide, you know, diverse mix of our community, um, it's sad, you know. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, we don't know when we're going to open this tap room again. Right. Um, uh, and we're not going to do it until it's completely safe because we want to protect the public. Right. Um, from a spread. Yeah. But, you know, frankly, more so we want to protect our production and our operations from a spread because that's that's what's keeping it's, us alive. Right yeah, now. exactly. So yeah. Crazy stuff. But uh, I think I think with uh, our team uh, rolling up their sleeves and, you know, working hard and, you know, getting this product out the door and marketing the product and all these things, I mean, and being smart, you know, financially. We've been able to make it through, I think, better than a lot of people have. Yeah. yeah. I honestly didn't think it would still be here months ago. No, no, I don't think anyone has. We have five children. So I kept telling them, oh, you know, it's going to be a few weeks. Oh, it's going to be a couple months. And now we're like, what, seven months in? So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's rolling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think realistically we're talking summer before yeah. things kind of get I, whatever normal looks like at that time. I agree. Right. Yeah. So would you, would you say um, between – the great beers you guys do and then the marketing is kind of what held you guys you know stay stay Absolutely. afloat yeah yeah i mean you know uh on one hand there's always kind of been this notion that you know you don't always necessarily have to have good beer for it to sell mm -hmm. i think you it's, know, without, it's I mean, true I think we can point to a number of beers worth that are out there nationally <laughs> texas this, north texas whatever fort worth where you drink it and it's like <laughs> get it like, yeah you know but i i think that that's starting to change i mean you really have to put out a good product to, right. just to keep it on the shelves mm -hmm. um but you know when when there people have more time to process their choices of what they're going to pull at the grocery store because they're drinking a lot more at home during, during, during the pandemic quality's got to rise up to the top you know? absolutely so you're not going to get that second and third and fourth pull off the shelf so mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's a testament to the team in terms of the product busting their ass to, you know, hand label where necessary and, you know, do whatever it takes to get the product out the door. Um, and, you know, the creativity and innovation with marketing um, and then just, just running the business well. I think all of that together, you know, you can't have one without the other.
Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, I'll, I'll add to that. Uh, a lot of it too was, um, right place, right time. You know, our sales, uh, head of sales, Kevin, you know, they all, you know, while it's a big pain and other uh, brewery owners I've talked to are like, do not get into doing variety packs. It is a complete nightmare. <laughs> well, during COVID, uh, our Costco variety pack, we call a suitcase. It's a 24 yeah. pack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it became our number two seller behind Mosaic. Oh, yeah. wow. Uh, and so before COVID happened, we were having uh, a team of ladies come in here that would pack this out. It is completely hand, hand done. It's very manual. We have pallets of loose cans in here. Uh, it's it's a it's a you lot say, of labor. You say a team of ladies, but a lot of that was, was you guys. Well, that's why I'm, I'm getting I'm okay. getting that. <laughs> team of ladies would come in. They'd turn out about thirty to forty pallets of wow. uh, packed wow. beer a day. And when COVID happened, I was like, yeah, unfortunately, we can't have them in here. I mean, yeah. there's yeah the, exactly them and all all you can imagine the the ripple effect of where they go every day and they would come into here they'd be using our microwave um our you know our facilities whatever and so i told kevin man I, we can't have them in here so the demand just skyrocketed for our variety packs and uh you know it was me my lab guy my head of maintenance uh, my <laughs> head brewers wherever they could anybody was in here hand packing this stuff out yeah uh, I was on the front of the line for two days doing this mo overhead motion <laughs> and actually uh, tore my rotator cuff. Oh, and it still oh man. This was, uh, you know, right when it started, seven months ago. It's, it's still yeah. bothering me. Um, no I think pain, it was shortly no shortly right. after that, I was like, we've got to have the ladies back in here. <laughs> uh, and it, it was very depressing back. to see our output of four or five pallets a day. And they came in and did like 40 pallets the first That's day. Wild. And then, you know, I was like, it's... oh my, thank God. You know, they're back in here. So it was, it was definitely a blessing to have such great sales in that respect. But mm -hmm. uh, right. there was a lot of challenges that came along with Those making Those large packs have taken off everywhere. I've yeah, noticed. yeah, absolutely. And if you weren't in the game, it was too late to get yeah. into it. Like that takes months and months of the stuff that Corey and Russ and uh, the sales guys do. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, we're going to have to wrap up and go to part three <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Join us for part three.